everyone. Welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, as usual, joined by Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable.com, and Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, Woo! which is the official, like, you're using that audio as your jingle Giant from now on, right? Giant <laughs> Christina, we stop one-upping that. me. We'll do that. And then we'll say, I wasn't like, one-upping you. I was, just right. I, was, I was trying to, like, add into your thing. Like, oh, so we'll harmonize? Cat. And I was, I was trying to harmonize. I wasn't trying to. Damn. Okay. Okay. No, no, I'm into it. I'm into it. Okay. So I have so much nonsense to start the show with this week. Uh-oh. Like we Uh-oh. have to do this. First, we have to give a big thank you to Darth for the oh awesome. My oh my god. god. Darth is so good. Awesome Toyota Tercel. So, I am so like, happy. So yeah. Brianna tweeted a photo of my well, you tweeted a wrong photo, and then I corrected your photo of my car, the same model car that I have. And Brianna asked everyone on Twitter, the the entire Twitter community, to contribute and Photoshop my car into awesome situations. And oh my goodness, the results are beautiful. And the one that Darth did is the Tercel photoshopped onto <laughs> Back to the Future, but this is back to the Doom Quasar. And it is <laughs> the most beautiful thing that I have ever laid eyes upon. I want it printed out on a poster, except I think I'm going to Photoshop my own face onto it. I oh, understand. you should do that. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, why are these people not using my face? And then I realized, that would be creepy. They're complete strangers. That would be creepy. I don't well, expect no, but- that from people, even though it's uh, been me- done to me before. <laughs> Darth is amazing. Yes. Oh, I love them. I love them. But the whole thing that started this off is, you know, Amanda and I um, were speaking at PAX Dev this year. So we're going to be in Seattle. And then, like, my assistant is like, I'll get you a, 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 like, shuttle. And I'm like, no, I'll just call Simone. Like, you know, we're going to party with Simone and her herself. So my question for you is, I was looking on Amazon. And Amazon has giant decals of flames that you can stick on the side of the car so if i bring that with me to seattle when you pick amanda and i up in the party car which is what we're calling it for now can we stick the decals of giant flames on the side of your toy editor self of course you can all right yeah and we'll film it we'll just use our iphone cameras film it put it on twitter yes 100% 100% okay. yes. I will even okay. wash my car for the occasion. I just, I want you to know, like, straight up, it, it's a little dented. Uh, it, it's only a two-door, so, you know, someone's going to have to, like, crawl in. It's uh, it's small. It's not a large car. It's luxurious in its own special way. It's luxurious in character. I was thinking I would just surf the roof like Teen Wolf, That you is know? Fu- Have you seen Death okay. Proof? I'm not. Oh my god! So they they do uh, ship's mass. So you put like belt loops through the doors, and you sit on the hood of the car holding onto the belts. And I drive, and then you like try to stay on the hood of the car while I'm driving, holding onto these belts that are attached to the car. We're gonna do that, right? On like yeah, I five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know cool. What we should do is bring Christina Warren on as like some kind of consultant for for GSX, just long enough to sneak her into Pax Dev. To God, talk yes. about dev and animation topics, and then we can have a whole party train out there in Seattle. Yes. yes. Christina will be the car danger correspondent. We should do that. Yes. Oh my God. Car yeah. danger correspondent. I can be the car danger correspondent. I, I, I can be like the, like, this <laughs> don't drive, but but she will, like, I will be a backseat driver. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's you, what I will do. You live in New York. You don't even need a car. Dude, I don't have a driver's license oh. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had one in a few years. Oh, it's oh, really funny. Oh. <laughs> so I, I have a question. Like, this is something we were having a really strong argument about at GSX today. So if you were in a car situation with someone, like, my team seems to think that the driver is DJ. And that's clearly wrong. The passenger is automatically DJ, right? Mm. Like, it, it depends. If the driver grants 
that permission to the the yes. front, front seat passenger, they are automatically DJ. However, I think the driver has veto power. I, oh, I totally yes, you're you're right. Okay. And I say this as someone who's almost always in her entire life, even when I've driven um, a passenger, <laughs> like I just because I'm not a big driver. And um, yes, a driver. It, it tends to be driver's rules. That being said, you know, passenger. What I would say uh, because they have better access can can frequently kind exactly. of intervene. It's less dangerous. So, 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 you know, um, passenger can maybe flip through channels, but if the driver's like, no, go back, then yeah, you've got to listen. Okay. Okay. I have a sick tape deck that hooks up to an iPhone with an audio jack. So, you know. No, you don't, Samo. Do we really? I mean, can, can I please buy you a better head unit? Please, please, please. It's not worth it. My car is going to die within the year. I know, but it'd be like fifty dollars for me to get you. Like, Seriously. I could at least get you like like something with uh, with auxiliary in. I'm saying, like, to me, the fact that you're using a cassette, a, uh, I, I can't even. I can't even. <laughs> I want you guys instead of buying me like new stereo. I want you to buy me more decals, more flame decals, <laughs> until my car is just covered. Recharge. Speaking car. of decals, we, you know what yeah. I got, and I wanted to say this on the show. I got the wooden um, relay FM br- uh, block. Yes. I, I, I did too. I did too. It was beautiful. Oh, I know. So sweet. So thank you, Mike and and Stephen, for for sending those to us because those were awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's on my desk at work. It was classy. It was really it's classy. Super classy. Mine's on my mantelpiece with my anime figurines. I'm wearing mine around my neck, like you know, flavor flavor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everywhere I go from now on. Oh God, you win. You win. Well, I'm going to use mine as a brand and just like start branding people with the relay logo. Yeah, I like that. There you go. There you go. Anyway, so Windows 10 came out today. I Windows 10. I spent like the afternoon, like trying to work while side downloading Windows 10 onto my laptop and like going back and forth, back and forth. I finally did download it, and I just I was able to play around with it for like an hour before we started recording, and I am already so relieved. It's so good. You like it too, Christina? I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, are we? <laughs> no arguments here, Brianna. No, do you I, have I mean, I'm pissed off about their their upgrade process. We'll get into that. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I love it. So I think the big, the like front change for Windows 10 that everyone's noticing is that the start menu is now back. Um, within yeah. the start menu, you have that great search that's Cortana integrated. But they kept this part of Windows 10 or Windows 8, which I actually really like, which is those tiles that yes. represent every program and. Instead of scrolling through them horizontally, which did not really, I did not enjoy that on with my, you know, I didn't have a touch screen. I, I use a mouse and keyboard. Instead of scrolling through them horizontally, you scroll vertically and it is wonderful. Like it's, it, it looks really good and it feels good to scroll through them now. And they've changed the look of it all. They've kind of hardened up the look of the OS. It's very clean. There's a lot of hard edges on things. And they've basically like taken the borders off of the apps. Like I noticed there's a little bit of a colored border around Windows, but it's like down to its absolute minimum. And I think it looks nice. It just it looks expansive, but also neat. Well, well, first, um, Darth says he's listening. So hello to Darth. Hey, Darth. Um, I love you. He he, he missed our conversation earlier where we sang his praises. Um, (laughs) But back to Windows. No, uh, I'm with you, Simone. I think it looks a lot better. And it's really funny because what they've basically done is they've gone back to Windows 7. They've taken a few of the good ideas from 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 Windows 8, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of the under the, the underpinnings of the OS stuff itself, and how kind of it's this one platform thing, and a lot of the you know one cloud uh, one drive stuff is, is yeah. certainly uh, better. But 
they've really just kind of, I mean, arrow glasses back for, for, for goodness sake. Um, it, they've gotten rid of a lot, a lot of the kind of the flat design and the UI stuff. And it's really back to looking like Windows. There's a start menu again. And yes, there are the live tiles. But as you said, they're not horizontal scrolling. They're vertical. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. And what's really good is I, I don't know um, if either of you have had a chance to use it on a touchscreen. No, but it no, works. I mean, I primarily use it on on a Mac, and mm-hmm. and and as disclosure, I'm a Mac user. Um, I have a couple of PCs at home that we use for various things, but I'm primarily a Mac user, and I commonly use Windows 10, either in a virtual machine or in boot camp. It's not my day to day operating system, but I have used it on Surface and some other devices, and it works really well on the touch screen, which Windows 8 always did, but Windows 8 worked terribly, in my opinion, on a traditional keyboard and mouse system. Mm-hmm. Um, this works great on keyboard and mouse, but it also still works really well on a touch screen. And so it's got this kind of, you know, it, it adapts based on what platform you're on, which is what Microsoft said they were going to do two years ago and didn't. And now they finally have. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, for me, you know, I have literally, I mean, this literally, I've literally burnt up three Mac logic boards doing 3D work on a Mac. Like, like it's fried and I've had to take my computer in and get it like the logic board completely repaired, <laughs> which is a very expensive thing. You know, I am a very serious outlier being a 3D professional and primarily using a Mac because, you know, the hardware that's at that caliber able to do it, like uh, an iMac even, is made out of laptop parts. So Unless you're on a Mac Pro or something. Right, which is is expensive. Which is very expensive, right. You don't have the the ability to get an off-the-shelf graphics card the same way you would on a a PC to do the sort of rendering times. Yeah, I mean, a lot of... I do have to say I have a Mac Pro OctoCore from 2009 and that thing has been such a champ at our office for rendering for years but the the reason i bring this up is you know like my many primary apple users i got into that operating system because i just hit a point where i was so frustrated with the experience of using windows and losing saturdays for stupid stuff that I'm just like, you know what? I'm an adult with a job and a credit card. Yep. I'm going to spend more and have less of a headache. And I have to say, objectively, the quality of Mac software has really gone downhill. Yep. Mavericks was problematic. Yosemite has been a nightmare mm. for my company in our production machines. And it's a lot of different, like I could speak all day long about the the things that they've decided to stop supporting with like 3D utilities. But the truth is, I think it's factual to say if Apple doesn't kind of take a step back and get their software to a more stable place, I currently don't see any like stability improvement in, you know, OS 10 versus say Windows 7. And sure. you know, stability is why I pay that extra money. So I was very, very interested to see these reviews coming out. And you know, this doesn't look like a blockbuster release to me. What no. this looks like to me is a bunch of smart decisions to fix the problems that were endemic to Windows 8. And to kind of make a very functional, you know, pragmatic yeah. operating system going forward. And, you know, as a 3D professional who's, you know, like literally half of the programs that 3D professionals use only work on Windows, um, I have to say, like, there's a lot of draw to kind of say, uh, you know what, I'm going to get like a, a small, you know, MacBook, like, you know, the MacBook Air that's now called right. the MacBook for, 
email and all that kind of stuff and then get like a really beefy you know monster of a machine as my work computer and like that's something i'm really seriously looking at wow yeah no i mean i think that's something i've heard from a lot of people i mean for for what i do and especially the sorts of stuff i write about that wouldn't really be me and i think that depending on what your creative you know output is if you're doing audio engineering you you might be okay on a pc i think video still uh, is really heavily geared towards the Mac, you know, sort of yep. publishing mm-hmm. things and, and, and graphics, certainly, you know, not, not the graphics you're doing, Brie, but, you know, if you're doing art and photo and stuff, I think there's still advantages on the Mac. And I certainly find third-party software, third-party Mac software to be superior to third-party Windows software. But I think you're right that Microsoft is really stepping up their game. And, and especially when, speaking of games, gaming <laughs> it has always been significantly better on PC than it is on Mac. And that's that's not changing. Um, and, and, and certainly, if anything, that's getting better now that you can stream from Xbox One to uh, Windows 10 devices, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that they're you know using more of the same core underlying framework to, to make it easier for people to kind of bring games uh, from one system to another. Uh, but I think that you're right. I mean, I think they made a lot of really smart decisions. And there are some bugs. There are some things that are not perfect. This is an interesting release because what Microsoft has said that they're doing, and and I'm not really sure if they're going to wind up doing this or not, is they're basically going to be making it a rolling release in that it continually gets updates. So, you know, you buy Windows 10 and they're claiming it's the last version of Windows because you'll be able to buy Windows 10 forever and you'll just download the latest versions and it'll continue to be updated over the course of its lifetime. And and that's something that other operating systems, notably, you know, Linux distros have been doing for a long time. Um, and I think that's a smart way to go. You know, just the idea is that you've always got to have Windows Update running. Um, and I think if they can get it stable enough, that's probably, probably a good idea. Um, I, Do you think I it's think, stable enough right now? I mean, uh, this is launch, obviously, enough. but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been using the beta and, and I've been, you know, what little bit I've been using, I think it's stable. I think there's still some bugs and some things they mm-hmm. have to fix. But for the most part, I mean, honestly, I think they've got the core of it right. Yeah. I think the biggest the biggest changes have been cosmetic, um, at least on kind of the surface. They've gotten rid of a lot of the terrible parts of Windows 8. You know, <laughs> Windows 8 was not a, a loved operating system. They, they took some really, they made some huge paradigm shifts. Um, you know, yeah. they've also introduced a new web browser, which, uh, you know, has promise um it's not as fast as chrome but uh, it has some promise you know there's cortana there's the continuum features the idea behind that is basically if you have a universal windows app running on like a windows phone or even a tablet the idea is that you can have an app that runs one way on a smaller screen you plug it into a monitor or something else and it all of a sudden can be full-sized and and run differently when it's connected to you know to an external you know monitor or or, or keyboard set or something um and it, it's kind of an, an interesting concept i think that universal apps that's a good idea in theory. I think in practice, very few people are actually going to write them. I don't think uh, it's going to work. I mean, but honestly. I think it does speak. Like, I've worn Siri on my Mac for a long time. Yes. And I really wish they would deliver that. I, I agree. Um, um, yeah. it, w- here's the weird thing about Cortana. Cortana works really well, and she can do things for you, such as, you know, turn off the Wi-Fi, turn off the brightness, you know, mm-hmm. do things like that. But she needs to be connected to the internet. So if you turn off the Wi-Fi <laughs> on Cortana, <laughs> Goodbye, then Cortana. you're kind of struck like you can't turn it back on again. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. It's sort of annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if Cortana is as good as Siri in some respects. The voice recognition is excellent and it doesn't have as many hooks into everything. But having that always present assistant in the, it, what, what Cortana is at its core is it's like Siri and Google now had a baby. And it's, right, the, it's right, kind of the right. best of both, which I think might end up being the right approach. Um they also have APIs available for it, which is interesting, which, you know, some of the other ones don't have. So, I mean, you know, 
I don't know. I, I like it. Um, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts, and then I'm going to rant about their upgrade process. Yeah. So we could theoretically see Cortana integrated into other software that we download? Yes. I personally can't believe that I got Cortana to work, like the audio recognition, because my computer is literally a hunk of scrap, and I despise it. Um, so the fact that she works and works as well as she does is really thrilling for me. Um, I Speaking to what you said about it, the changes mostly being aesthetic, I think they've really struck this interesting place like between the familiar, like the the nostalgia windows that we all longed for after the hell of Windows 8 and the <laughs> new kind of clean stuff or not, well, yeah, clean stuff from Windows 8. It's, I like the way that they included, say, the tiles because it, it feels to me like they're saying, okay, here are these familiar things, but... Windows 8, we are building on some of the things that we did with that. It's not a complete failure. It's still like worth worth using as a as an aesthetic base for this. And I, I do I do like that that sort of feeling of like we took this dumpster fire and we made something that you now will like again. Yeah, yeah. I think my my very favorite part of the reviews that I've read, you know, I think this speaks so much to the Windows audience, like the 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 breadth of that audience is <laughs> I love that they they advertise they're like Listen, we all agree with you. Internet Explorer is terrible. We're we're getting rid of it. And then they come out with that, just built on new technology. Like everything you said is dead on Christina with it. Like it's a really good start. But then they designed the icon. It looks identical. So it looks exactly like it to yeah. not confuse normal people because we all have parents and we all know how that's going to go, that they're going to go like, What's the icon? What? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, frankly, it was kind of genius. I mean, you know, oh, they, they, it's brilliant. Absolutely. Because, because, because right. you have one of the most identical icons in the world, but you're just going to get rid of that. You, you own yeah. the letter E. Yeah, no kidding. I imagine there was like a, a talk at Microsoft, like, okay, we got this new, what can we call it that starts <laughs> with the letter E? And Energy. Here, Enigma. True right. story. They were they were listening to you too at the time, and Edge went into a sick <laughs> solo, and they were like, well, there it is. <laughs> All right, confirmed, confirmed here. Rock- so, Christina, I know you have to get to a Windows install rant, but before yes. you do that, I've got to ask you, can you name any... Microsoft Windows operating system in history that has been a pleasant upgrade experience. <laughs> Any of the 3.1, 98, MT, NT, right. XP was not bad. Okay, so going from <laughs> going from Windows ME, if you remember that abomination, going from that to XP was fine. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> and, and actually, and you know what I would say too, 95 to 98 was fine. Um, 98 to, to XP was fine. Those were, were, if you wanted to do a clean install at some point, it was okay because, and this is what my rant is going to be about, but, but, but good point. When do, Microsoft historically makes it a, kind of a cluster to, to upgrade stuff. Christina, um, is that going to be your yearbook quote? Going from Windows ME to XP was fine. Yeah, period. that's going to be fine. It. No. Well, so here's what happens. I mean, if you're more of a power user or you're primarily a Mac user, this is this is will will impact you. Basically, you know, back in the old days, you know, the idea of doing an upgrade from Windows was okay, it's going to keep my own my old programs around. Maybe I don't want to do this. I want to do a clean install. What do I do? How do I get the media to do it? Um, but a lot of times you just kind of do the upgrade from with, within whatever operating system you're in. And and actually, at this point, Microsoft makes it pretty easy. If you're going from Windows 7 or Windows 8 or 8.1 to Windows 10, from everything that I've read, I haven't, I've had to do it, but not on systems with lots of data on them. 
I've heard the process is fantastic. They've really done a good job. They really made it easy, provided you have enough free space on your system, which some Windows 7 systems might not. So uh, provided you have enough free space on your system to hold the whole thing, um, the upgrade process, I think, works quite well. The problem is that a lot of times... When you're upgrading your computer, you also want to do a clean install. And so a post I write every single year will not lie. It is totally for the SEO, for the Google juice. Uh, <laughs> it is also, frankly, um, a post that, that people I am tweet, email me, and thank me for every single day. Um, is like how to do a clean install of OS 10 because huh. it's, not a, it's, it's not a straightforward process, you know, to download right, uh, the right. installer – get the DMG file, find a way to load it onto a USB stick so that you can Mm -hmm. have a, if you have a brand new hard drive, like say, you know, your logic board is fine, Brie, but your SSD dies and you want to do an upgrade, but you don't want to, um, you know, you don't have any installed media at this point. What, What do I do? Or, you know, you I, go I, to I've the got a Netboot bigger hard drive. screen and then go to disk utility. But I get your meaning. It's something right. well, a no, lot of well, people aren't going to well, know. No, no, here's so, the thing. If right, you don't yeah. have the, the, the Netboot screen because you have a brand new hard drive. Won't it won't it go to that? Like, isn't it baked into the BIOS of your machine? Uh, not not with not with the, the BIOS has certain stuff, but it doesn't actually have that um, that partition. Really? It won't let you no, do it does that. Not. That's really interesting. Huh. Right. Huh. So, um, especially in older systems, some of the newer ones with the BIOS might have it, but if you've got like an older machine, like a 2010 or a 2011 or 2012 MacBook Pro, um, it, regardless, you know, so, so there's, so there, but there are also instances where maybe you want to do, um, you know, a, a clean install on a different hard drive, like in, in target disk mode, regardless, it's a popular post. And it's one of those, my husband even will like, I am me. And he was like, I just used your post again. Um, <laughs> so I write that every year because there are instances when you just want to do a clean install, you just want to start fresh and windows is, is no exception. And so I was looking into wanting to do a clean install of Windows 10 today and writing a post about it. Uh, here's the thing. I have legal licenses paid for that I paid for um, and, and, and paid, I think, even in, one, in a couple of cases, full price for at least full upgrade price for Windows 7 and for Windows 8. I never got a Windows 8.1 license because of how the upgrade thing worked, but I have a Windows 7 license and then I got a Windows 8 Pro up, uh, Windows 7 license and then a Windows 8 Pro upgrade. Well, the thing is, Microsoft does very nicely with Windows 10 let you download ISO files and ISO as a disk image. And so that basically you could conceivably burn it to a DVD or to a USB thumb drive. um, Or if you're using virtualization software, which you frequently do on a Mac, you could just load that disk image and, and run the installer from there. That's great. Here's the problem. Um, if you are doing the, you can do a clean install from a system that either already has and has activated Windows 7 or Windows 8, um, assuming that massive other hardware things haven't changed, and that's fine. But if you're taking a system, like let's say I'll use myself as an example, I have a MacBook Pro that I have not had Windows on in, actually, I don't think that the current MacBook Pro I, I use at home I've, I've ever had uh, Windows on, but I have these legal licenses. I want to put it on bootcamp. I want to install this. Um, there's no way for me to use the Windows 10 ISO to use a serial um, that will activate Huh. Period. So what will happen is I can install Windows 10. I can skip, you know, the, the enter your serial number and I can get it installed. But then if I want to activate the product, even though I have licenses for Windows 7 and Windows 8, it's not going to actually let me activate. It won't give me a serial. So instead what I have to do. Because there was never Windows 7 or 8 on that computer before? Right. So so back in the day, many years ago, what you used to be able to do if you were going from, say, Windows 98 
for Windows 95 or, or Windows ME or whatever to say XP, uh, Microsoft would just make you put in a legal CD in the drive. Yep. It would verify it, would it and then it, it, and yep. it would scan it, and then you could use your upgrade and go forward. And then you'd and, have to put in the OEM number. Right. Oh, I've done it a hundred times. Same. <laughs> same. And, and so that was fine, right? Um, they don't do that anymore, and they there used to even no, and there used to even be a way where you could take a serial number that, from one operating system and convert it to a serial number for another. They don't do that anymore, and in fact, I ran into an issue with Windows eight and Windows eight point one, where I tried to install the Windows eight on um uh my my virtual machines or my systems. One of the reasons I didn't use it a lot was that because I had an upgrade license. It wouldn't let me install it on anything that didn't have Windows on it. It would say, oh, I, we can't activate this because this is an upgrade. So I'd have to install Windows 7 first, then Windows 8, then activate, which is a pain. Wow. In this case, I still I have to basically do the same thing. I can't just start with Windows 8 because it won't activate unless I'd started with Windows 7. So I could just start with Windows 7, install Windows 7 on my Mac. Then I have to download Windows 10. Activate Windows 7. Then I have to download Windows 10. Then I can install that and do a clean install that way. But I can't just go from Windows 7 to Windows 10. There's no way that it will let me do it. Um, I mean, I have to have Windows 7 first, rather. So I can't just put Windows 10, even though I have 7 and 8 licenses, I can't just put Windows 10 on a machine. It has to have Windows 7 or Windows 8 first. And yes, I've, I've had people, you know, defending Microsoft on Twitter saying, oh, well, we've known this is how it works. And I'm like, no, this shouldn't work this way. Is it an edge no, case? You're a power no. user. I'm like, look, no, I'm a power no, user. No, it's not. That is affected. I've had that same bug hit me a hundred times. Many like, people have. And here's the deal. A lot of people are going to be, they're saying, well, most people will buy this, will be upgrading from systems that already have Windows on it, granted, or will be buying new systems, granted. Here's the thing, though. There are they want a billion people to, to, to be Windows 10 users, right? A billion people. A lot of those people are going to have older systems. Maybe they do have a license, but maybe they get a new hard drive or they've upgraded something else. And, or maybe the hard drive isn't booting correctly and they replace it and they want to run Windows 10 and do a clean install. What How are they supposed the to do? about all the crapware that gets on Windows machines when you buy them? What was the Lenovo controversy yes, the other exactly. day the where fish? it comes right, with like this? Exactly. And there is every reason in the entire world where if you go buy a Windows machine, you would want to do a clean install. It right. would probably and be the thing is, first thing if I you already do. have, and if you already have Windows on it, they're gonna let. It's gonna be easy to do a clean install from within their operating system. They make it easy to do that. But the thing is, is I should be able to do a clean install if I have a license, regardless of whether Windows was ever on it or not. Yeah, the fact that you have the license means that you should be able to find a way around that. Like, and, uh, and I'm not trying to diminish your feelings here, Chris, because like I've experienced this headache so many times. And like for for Windows Seven, for my like the one I developed Rev Sixty on, like I actually had to. It's an upgrade copy because like you have yeah. every copy of Windows has ever been yes. existed. And there's a trick where if you Send the Good, upgrade yes. copy in there and install it and just get it to the point where it's like, okay, we're in free trial mode for seven days. Then put the system in there yes. and reinstall it a second time. Yes. It will be okay. Yeah, so I've done that with I feel Windows your 8 pain too. about that. Yes, I've done your that pain with Windows 8 that. as well. Yeah. And it's annoying. Okay. Though, but sure, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's stupid and annoying. But my, my point is, I, I'm not defending it because this is something I've got to change. But we have a word at our office, and I will often, when I'm talking to my engineers, I go, nope, we don't ship software that's Microsoft-y. And what I mean by Microsoft-y is this exact decision, something that is in the company's best interest that has the potential to infuriate users like that. And this problem has been a huge thing that's 
existed for the entire history of Windows. And it has made me waste entire Saturdays. I'm sure it's made you waste it. It's just, it's BS. You know, like installing an operating system is a pain in the butt. So sit there and try to find OEM licenses that will Uh take and work with their back. And then like you're going into, like I've gone into systems I've had like, in my like stored for years to try to get OEM and license numbers off of it to bring it in because everybody's got a freaking legal copy of Windows at some yeah, point. Yeah. So I feel your pain. I'm just saying this is not a new problem. This is no, a it's not a new problem. problem. It's not yeah, new. You're right. Yeah. It's not new. But the problem is that they at least give you an ISO now. So I was like, oh, well, they're going to make it easier. But they're not. And what's frustrating is that it's like, honestly, it comes to, I mean, I almost did this. I, I wound up not. But it was one of those things where I said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to pay the two hundred dollars and get a and, and pay for a license to do this even though i genuinely and last at three years ago with windows 8 i paid like a hundred dollars for the upgrade or whatever it was you know and i paid for these licenses like i shouldn't have to buy it again you're telling me i get a free upgrade and i can't even claim it because i didn't have windows running on this machine That's look i know i'm a crap. mac user i know that i'm an edge case but i'm not the only one just because i'm an edge case doesn't mean it's rare and and it's so frustrating to me that they're doing so many things right with windows they're doing so many things right why not make the upgrade process easier? And frankly, let's also talk about this. When it comes to pricing, $200 for Windows 10 Pro? Are you kidding me? $119 for Windows 10 Home? Are you kidding me? I get that they're giving almost everybody a free upgrade. I get that. But $120 and $200 for an operating system in 2015 is insane. Just because that's what Windows has always cost does not mean that in 2015 when Mac is free, I'm not mm-hmm. saying be free. I'm saying at least come down to fifty bucks. Yeah, because yeah. what I mean seriously, fifty. How because at this you point, stop at this, this point, tiered mess with like home edition and pro edition. It's stupid. It's so yeah, stupid. No, like it come really out is. with one OEM for it. If you have to split upgrade and and pro, which they I upgrade and full version, which you shouldn't. Like fine, but just like make right. it consistent. For make it consistent. Ugh. No, and, and it's frustrating. It just seems like it's going to cause problems long term, fracturing that user base. No, totally. I mean, and I and I have to wonder if the reason they're keeping the price so high is because I looked at it and I realized, you know what? It is almost cheaper to just buy a new computer, or it's about the same amount of money to just buy a new computer. And so part of me wonders if. Like the the part of the thing of keeping the price artificially higher than it should be is that they can maybe push OEM sales a little bit. You know what I mean? Like because if I've got to spend two hundred dollars or one hundred and twenty dollars on on a license of Windows, say you know, to, let's say for some reason I couldn't find my my Windows Seven code or something, or maybe I'm still on XP or who knows what the situation is. Yeah. Maybe then I go. You know what? I can actually get a really decent laptop for three hundred and fifty dollars. Why don't I just yeah, do that? It's about time. Might as well. I could. I could honestly. I could see myself doing that after the what I did to my machine, but I didn't have to pay for that upgrade again because I was able to do it through the website with my Windows eight point one. Yeah. I don't know. It 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 really bothers me, Christina, to hear this from you because if I had to say. If I had to give one example of the problem that Microsoft has, it's not the technology. Like the engineers I know that work at Microsoft are solid. It's not the vision anymore. The central problem I think Microsoft has is it makes decisions that are better for them 
and better for the the corporate partners that they have and worse for the users. If they couldn't, like the thing about like giving most people a free copy of Windows 10, I was really hoping they would, we're moving beyond that Mm -hmm. and finding we're right back to this old shell game with OEMs and licenses and upgrade stuff. That's, that's very disheartening to me when that is the biggest like symptom of why I moved away from windows in the first place. Mm Well, that's actually a nice summation of the whole thing is a a move forward with the free copies, but there's still that underlying Microsoftiness underneath. Is that how you feel? (laughs) That's how I feel. All right. Christina? Yeah. Cool. I mean, look, I like it. I wish they'd make it easier to install my Mac. That's all. That's it. Listen, I have to say one more thing. Like the OS X user installing Windows in boot camp is not an edge case. Like, let's just have an adult conversation about this. Like, this is not the year 2000 anymore. I see a lot more Macs constantly out there in my everyday life. And, you know, like, making this easy to use in boot camp is actually a really important strategic thing for Microsoft. Because if they don't do that, like, they are not going to be able to kind of regain ground they've lost to OS 10 over the years. So, um, you know, this isn't an edge case. I would say this is an alpha level priority for them. Yeah, poaching Mac users through Mac, the Mac OS. Yeah, just make it not suck, right? I mean, it's not complicated. So <laughs> There you go, Microsoft. Make it not suck. That being said, I, I definitely think this is a step forward. And it, it's. I'm not surprised that those little problems are still persisting. I, I feel like... We almost could say, I mean, every every time you have a big step forward, you still have those little vestiges of the what the company is and what they represent that kind of cling on. So maybe that's something we'll see next time. But I am not surprised that that is still an issue. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper. Uh, Casper is an online retailer of awesome freaking mattresses that they ship to you. They ship them to your home and then they freaking inflate right in front of your very eyes. Casper wants to take away that horrible middle area, the middleman of, you know, buying mattresses from a store. They want to just cut that price increase out and give the mattress right to you. Their mattresses are made of premium latex foam and memory foam of the kind that I don't remember which of you is allergic to it, but it, it doesn't That's matter. Me, but it's but it's like a synthetic type of latex. So you're cool. Exactly. So yeah, mattresses are really, really, really horribly expensive. Uh, Casper mattresses cost between 500 bucks for a twin size mattress, 750 for full size, 850 for queen, and 950 for the king size mattress that Brianna Wu is going to ride down yes. the stairwell yes. at Buckingham Palace. As I'm partying with Anne Hathaway. You with Anne Hathaway? Heck. Yes. Anne- they included the Anne Hathaway upgrade for the mattress ride? <laughs> they should. They I did. Would, I would That's incredible. That. So do you think there's someone at Casper that like specializes in the synthetic latex for Christina and their name is Art Vandelay? Because that would be so <gasps> awesome. Oh my God. That would be amazing. They should do that. They should get like Art Vandelay to come in and endorse Casper. 
They should do that. I hope they're listening right now because that's they a million dollar idea right there. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> telling you. I don't know. I have to admit, like, I'm really, I really want to buy this just to like see it inflate. I know. In my house. I do too. Like, that's that's most like I'm sure it's a good mattress, but I kind of just want to open a package and then just have this no, giant totally. rectangle in my living room. Well, the that cool thing great. is that they have free delivery and free returns within a hundred day period. So I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm suggesting like get a mattress, try it out. You'll probably fall in love with it, and you can watch it inflate. But if you don't like it, you can send it back. So, Christina, could we, like, order a mattress, have it sent to your office in Mashable, and then surf down the stairs, like, past the Gawker office? Like, could we do that? (laughs) No, that'd be great. I think I told you guys once that, like, Casper sent us something for April Fool's Day, and we got really excited because we were hoping a a mattress would be inside the box. And it was just a bunch of troll stuff. It was, like, baloney and, like, (laughs) balloons and, like, stupid stuff. It was really, really sad. But Grant and I need a new mattress, and we've been very serious considering casper um so if we get one we will time lapse the the in the you know video of it Please oh my god it you've got to do that you've got to do that so <laughs> you should do, i would watch that yeah. <laughs> if you are listening to the show you can get 50 dollars towards your next mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rocket and using the code rocket at checkout, uh, Rocket is the name of this show, and they're very kindly sponsoring us. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, go visit Castro.com, check out the mattresses, and um, make sure if you do get a mattress, please send me a time lapse of it expanding. I really, w- I want like my life will be complete when I see a mattress expand before my very eyes. So please do that. Thank you for supporting this episode of Rocket. This woman on the Casper website, like on the mattress, is ridiculously gorgeous. Like, you know, you're just like, I, oh, I hate you. Like, you know, <laughs> like she's that level gorgeous. So, yeah. I'm going to go look. Will they send the beautiful woman with the mattress? <laughs> Does she I would inflate? Hang out with her. I would inf- hang out oh my gosh, she is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Oh, nice. wow. She is. She's really hot. Okay. Wow. I wonder if they, like, hired her or if she's, like, a, a stock photo model or, like, somebody they hired her or what the deal is. We should find out. We should use our connections to find out the, the <laughs> hey, inside Casper, story. Hey, uh, Casper, pass us yeah. the number of this model. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, Simone wants to, to, wants text to ask me. her out. <laughs> oh, a pop-up just came up and it's another beautiful. Anyway, Casper has really great models of mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that how the female podcast becomes the one where we objectify women in our sponsor reads. It's a the female empowerment. The female, the female empowerment, the empowerment podcast comes into like, oh, this girl's really hot. She is. (laughs) She is. She's gorgeous. She's seriously beautiful. So next, we're talking about kind of a hot button topic where Planned Parenthood has been hacked and is actually currently being, or they were this afternoon being dosed by anti-abortion activists related to. A swell of anti-planned parenthood uh, sentiment based on some some videos that came out from an anti-abortion organization, if that is a succinct way of summarizing this. And it's kind of bringing up some issues about privacy and how information is spread online and how, in my opinion, information is spread and then inflames political action and what it means for people who work at organizations like Planned Parenthood and people who work for organizations that have 
I don't want to say agendas because that's a very loaded word, but organizations yeah. that have missions, I that that would literally be the correct word to use. Well, can I say something yeah, about please this do. before we get into it? Because you know, I picked this topic. I, I don't want to get into the politics of it. This is not that kind of show. To me, what is really interesting about this is, you know, we were covering, um, you know, we were covering Ashley Madison last week, which is, right. you know, we all kind of cheered for that. Well, I we didn't on the show, no, but we didn't. I did see a lot of sentiment cheering for that. And here, what you have is a, a sustained attack to basically hack an organization. I don't care what you think about the politics. Like I'm talking about people mm-hmm. working at a job where some people are upset with them politically and then want to basically, you know, do this SQL injection technique to get it and then use it to, you know, basically hurt this this healthcare organization. And I think there's I think there's a really interesting question here about like, is any database safe at this point? Because like the danger is like a lot of women that went in to get healthcare, like their information is going to be released, private emails are going to be released. You know, this is a really new kind of political warfare. And this isn't about the politics of it. This is about this tactic, which has to do with technology. I kind of brought this up last week. I don't think that any database is safe. I think that you can't necessarily trust any anyone to safely store data and and we're seeing we've seen it twice now just in the last couple weeks and it's it's very scary it is i think what's different here is that i mean i think you know this is something that's that's tied to a medical you know record which mm-hmm. there there are laws around frankly you know there there are protection laws there are HIPAA rules around this sort of thing your employer is not supposed to know you know people mm-hmm. what what you do what your relationship is with your doctor should be private and whether or not you've got a planned parenthood for any reason shouldn't be something that should be publicized and and people shouldn't be blackmailed um because they you know they might mm-hmm. be in someone's database you know which i think makes it you're right i don't think any database is safe but i feel like there's a difference between what i as a willing paying customer sign up for for a a third-party service regardless of what that service is for or or maybe it's free with a social network versus what's happening with something that's tied to my medical information that's true yeah what what i found interesting about this is you know Ashley Madison did not salt and hash their data, which is right. gross negligence. But if you look at the actual technique and SQL, SQL injection technique they used here, you know, this is not like gross mismanagement. Like this is, it is a vector of attack that they were open for. But, you know, um, as best as I can tell, like, What's happened is their database was salted and hashed, and now they're brute forcing it to basically unencrypt mm-hmm. all these emails. And to right. me, that's what's really scary about this yes. is they they did seem to follow what is a reasonable set of practices. And even with that, they're still even kind with that, of, they're still yeah, right, right. And what, what I think is bothersome is that because of the political nature of this, um, you know, that the, the, I think the very real criminal things that are about this are kind of being swept under the rug, you know, and so yeah. we have a lot of political rhetoric on yeah. both sides. Whereas what we should really be focusing on is that people's medical records yeah, you know, are are being exploited, you know, somebody's medical situation is being exploited. If it were any other procedure, I can't mm-hmm. imagine if it was for anything else, if this was for um, 
look, let, let, let's be real. If this was for people who got vasectomies or, or circumcisions or something out having to do or, or sperm donations, if this was one of those sorts of things, I think that the outcry over the private, over you know, the fact that people's information is being spread out would be much, much bigger than what we're, he- what we're hearing um, with this, because instead all the conversation is about what these videos, you know, however they've been edited, what they may or may not say and what, and, and, and what, you know, that situation is like versus the fact that, you know, there is this sort of political warfare, as Brie brilliantly put it at the top of the segment, that is being used in a way that I, I, I haven't seen anything like this before, where you're literally taking people who aren't part of the political campaign and bringing them into it and using them as collateral damage. You know, they're becoming collateral damage as part of these bigger policies. And and you're hoping to to, to shame people in some sense, some sense because, you know, they should be ashamed or, or, or whatnot. You know what I mean, you're, you're potentially ruining people's lives. Yeah. Um, and yeah. releasing really private information about them. Uh, I, it, it is so it, telling yeah. that the what has come out of this is the immediate political reaction and people moving or proposing that Planned Parenthood is defunded rather than proposing some kind of legislation against hacking, some kind of punishment for people who hack, some kind of, I don't, like you said, talking about people's medical records being spread around. Well, that's why the Ashley Madison thing is so disturbing. Like, even if you don't support, you know, infidelity, like, eventually it's going to be you on the other side of this epidemic of data. But, but this is something I, I have to share this personal experience. I don't see political attacks against people the same way today as I did a year ago. Um, let me give you an example. Like, last night, I'm just on Twitter, and I start... Um, I have this policy, like according to Twitter stats, like half a million people like go to my page to check it out, like my Twitter page. So what I do is every day, um, small conversations I have with people, I go through and I delete them. So like, and then this like thread springs up. It's like Brianna Wu madly deleting hundreds of tweets because she's embarrassed. She lost it. So the reason I'm saying this is what I'm aware of this year that I've never been aware of to this degree is if you don't like someone, you can find something to use against them and take out of context yes. and attack them. And I've seen it done to me literally hundreds of times this year. And you know, for this campaign cycle, when people start attacking political candidates, even ones I may not want to vote for, I'm sure going to see this differently. So what is so disturbing to me, and again, this has nothing to do with the politics, whatever. I'm not talking about that, but when you have an agenda and you're going through and your mission is to take email, unencrypt it, and find stuff to basically attack people with and take out of context, it's it has nothing to do with the political operations. It's just a beyond dirty tactic. And this is not something it's not something I would support my side for. It's it's not a world I want to live in. That's why it's so is, insidious. It's terrifying. That yeah. It's about these these people who were, were filmed and you know, they're they're now, you know, the face of this whole controversy. And what that does is it turns it into this toxic situation where we're not reacting to the crime, we're reacting to the people who were involved. And people who are close to those people then have to like reassess their relationship with them. You have to think like when you hear a bad rumor about someone, you have to look at, you know, 
oh God, is that true? I think everyone has this moment of kind of reassessing their relationship. How does it look that I'm friends with this person? Like, what did they do I actually know them? And it's that's why it's so toxic because it takes relationships between people and turns it into a spectacle, a performance. If you have gone to Planned Parenthood for whatever reason and your records are released, I think that that it, it does it, um, it can be used against you because of the reputation of the organization, not necessarily because of you as a person and what you've been doing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It all sucks. It's very troubling. Very troubling. Yeah. That's why I just hate the concept of doxing because no matter who is doing it, and I see this so often on, in, in any circle, like someone will do something and then people start spreading their information around and it, I don't care who, what they did, what this person did, who is spreading the information. Don't freaking do that. It just creates this horrible culture where people can be punished for nothing. People can be punished for the smallest things. It doesn't matter. And it's ridiculous. It's a very slippery slope. So, Christine, I mean, this is where I'd like to know from you, because I, you know, I am not an encryption expert. I know a lot more about 3D and, and making games and blueprint and stuff like that. Like, what is the end game for kind of solving yeah, this no epidemic of this? Like, is it quantum computing where I mean, the, the algorithms for this? I mean, what, how do we fix this? I mean, I think that's probably part of it. I mean, I, I do think better encryption, you know, um, we can get, you know, more, um, a better encryption, better salting to do this stuff. But I mean, but part of the problem is, of course, how are you then going to make that data accessible otherwise? And um, I do want to back up. Uh, I was under the impression that some of some uh, potentially uh, patient data had been had been leaked or had been threatened to be leaked. I think it's just employee data, which is still terrible. But that does make it slightly, you know, less less disturbing than some of the other things. Um, but I would say um, so. But, but I want to back up some of my you know earlier remarks. But I I, I think that you know in this case. If you're getting into someone's employee employment database system, you know, you've got to actually be able to use this data, you know, and, and, and manipulate it. So I don't I think quantum computing probably is the is the big thing. And I, I think also, honestly, it's probably just having really good security practices um, beyond just encrypting the data so that it's harder for people to get access to your stuff to begin with. I mean, I think that honestly, if, if I'm being totally honest, I think that, you know, anything is going to be hackable. But a lot of times these systems are being hacked, even like when you have good data storage practices, because something basic um, or, or, or more central hasn't been done, you know, on, on the front end, you, you've left the door unlocked. So you might have like, you know, a, a really nice alarm system, but you forgot to set it sort of thing. And and so I, I almost wonder if maybe there are probably longer term solutions that, that we can get more into. But I almost wonder if that's missing the point And instead, the focus should be, are we doing everything we can to make sure that the systems are protected to begin with? Mm-hmm. And, and, and yes, the data should be stored correctly. And yes, that should have, you know, other things in place. But are we doing everything we can so that, you know, SQL injections and other stuff can't, you know, bring something down? Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a concept I've been reading about lately. Yeah, I love the term for this. It's a uh, security through obesity. <laughs> the idea is <laughs> the that. idea is like 
if you can increase the amount of data there that's random and unimportant Ooh, and increase actually, the amount of stuff that they have to to get like it takes so much longer that's to really suck smart. a database that's exponential and you know hard drive space is relatively cheap mm-hmm, you know exactly to suck that through but also like the salting and hashing tables and like i've seen examples of this where you know there's a, a mathematically efficient way to salt and hash something that um you know it's not computationally ex- and it you know, intensive, but like if you end up like multiplying like the salt times the password and this exponential equation, you get some ridiculously large number. Then security through obesity because there's so much junk there. Right, there's so much like, junk there. It would be the right. Sort of, oh, that's well, awesome. Especially, I think I think that actually that's a really smart way to do it because then especially if you don't have it so that it can be programmatically removed, so you have it maybe at kind of a random interval so that the stuff it's spitting out isn't always the same number of bytes, the same number of other things for them to you know in in for them to obfuscate. I mean, it's, it's similar to the way, you know, people obfuscate code now, you know, like you'll see this a lot of times with PHP people where they'll obfuscate code blocks because they don't want people on their web servers to be able to see what they're doing. You know, they, they, so they, they, they hide it. Um, I think that's a smart idea, but I think, yeah, as long as you do it so that it's just not so easily to be reversed. So you can't just run it through something and, and have that stuff cleansed. Um, although frankly, even if you could just run it through something, make it cleansed, uh, if you've, a lot of people aren't going to go through that effort, you know, a lot of people like those easy data dumps and there might be some people who are willing to go through it, but a lot of people won't because they, it, it is much easier if you can just have that, that easy data dump. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very disturbing trend. D- yeah. Definitely. Oh, I like the solutions that you, you guys have given me a little grain of optimism about the world. <laughs> no, that's, 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 I, I, I love, I love that term, uh, uh, security through security obesity. Through that's obesity. really smart. That should that's be really the smart. title. <laughs> Yeah, that, I, I think that is. I think that's our, our podcast title for today. All right. So should we talk about the new James Bond trailer? Yes. Yes. It looks hot, actually. Christina, you're you're a huge film person. Like, are yes. you are you as big She's a the James film Bond girl. fan? Am I? Like, yeah. I love James Bond movies. I love James I love Bond, them. and I have to say, yeah. like, Daniel Craig is one of my favorite. Is probably my favorite Bond in my. He's like one of my favorites in my lifetime. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't really a, a, a around, you know, during the Connery era, and and I liked Pierce Brosnan until I didn't. He was fine until he wasn't, and um, I love Daniel Craig. I think he's an excellent Bond. Um, I really, I didn't think I'd like a blonde Bond, but I love him. And uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I this looks good. I mean, the the last one wasn't great. Last Bond, mm-hmm. Skyfall. It, it spawned the song of forever. The, this the, great, one great of the best song, but, but Skyfall wasn't great. And it was, from what I understand, it was kind of a cluster. The whole, you know, yeah. production and everything. But um, you know, Casino Royale was really good. And um, no, this looks really solid. Thank you for saying that, Christina, because I like Skyfall. It's definitely in the upper third of Bond movies, but so many people are saying it's like the best Bond movie ever. It's the best Bond movie ever. And if you understand the history of this franchise and you're comparing it against like Thunderball, which is like such a historically important movie as like action movies were, yeah. were growing and getting better. Like it's a good movie, but I actually, um, I, I'm an outlier. Like I think Sam Royale is a brilliant one. I think Quantum of Solace was a really, really underrated movie. Quantum of I, Solace yeah. was the one where they had all the production problems and the studio went under and stuff. Yeah, but 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 I think, yeah. I mean, I really like Sam Mendes who who uh, he directed uh, Skyfall, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great director. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I I like Skyfall better than than Quantum of Solace. I was not a huge fan of that, but. Um, 
and and you're right. You but the Casino Royale was just one of those like great. Films. It was fantastic. It definitely made an impression. Well, I'm I'm actually excited because I, I wasn't terribly excited about new Bond movies. I'm sorry, but the this trailer actually because of Monica Bellucci, who I've had a crush on since Love I was her. in middle school, thanks yeah. to The Matrix Reloaded of all things. Wow, what a terrible movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it is. But Monica Bellucci was there and she's beautiful. Yeah, she's and now so Leia Seydoux is in it too. So yeah. I'm pumped. It's cool. <laughs> sexy cars, sexy bond. And Monica I, Bellucci. I have the I have the hugest crush on both Monica Bellucci and New Q. I love yeah. New Q. Like New my Q heart so just great. pitter patters every time he was in this trailer. And the trailer was just awesome. Like it gets me so pumped for this. It feels like it's taking the best elements of those first few, you know, Sean Connery Bond movies, which let's be honest, were a little campy and rebooting Spectre into something that it's just amazingly well acted, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's Is that it's one of the exciting. reasons you would think – do you think that that is one of the reasons why Daniel Craig is a better Bond, in your opinion? Because we've kind of moved beyond the age of Sean Connery and that sort of acting? So I – I, I feel very strongly about Bond movies, and I think Sean Connery is beyond overrated. And I think it's nostalgia for a very simple formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's good. Don't get me wrong. Like they're those, but they're more historically important movies than they are good movies. And but one of the really interesting things about Spectre is do you do you both know about like the the history with Kevin McClory and the fights over the rights not. to Spectre? Do you know this, Christina? Um, I know some of yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, but, yeah. but fill us in, fill us in, because it's interesting. Sure. I mean, story. long story short, like um, you know, uh Ian Fleming worked with uh, you know, Kevin McClory on this this television script for Thunderball. Um, yep. And they kind of argued over who had the rights to it because it was where you had Spectre and a lot of these concepts yep. of like Blofeld. Um, so interestingly, and so there ended up being two Thunderballs, right? They're right, exactly. <laughs> this is why they could do Never Say Never Again in the eighties, right, which, which is exactly. actually a really interesting movie. It is because um, it's, it brings back uh, Connery. It's, it's a weird thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a good script. It's so much better than Octopussy that year. But I mean, like you know, it's it's interesting because they could do that one plot but they couldn't use like the theme song and it's like bond but not bond so it's a real you know <laughs> it's it's very interesting so to come back and be able to use specter again like that's a huge legal battle to be able to do it and then you see like who i assume is the new blofeld in uh you know the latest trailer so i don't know to oh. me it's like they are really getting Digging it, deep into the Bond mythos, sort of? They are, but they're getting back to basics. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, look, I, I, with my political views on feminism, you can guess <laughs> I'm a big fan of, like, you know, Judy Dench's M. But, you know, to have, um, you know, the, them go back to the old style with the red leather door and the dude in the chair, you know, like, it's, they're really going back to this older formula with it. And I think it's really exciting. All right, older formula brought to a new age. Yeah. Cool yeah. beans. Do you have anything to add, Christina? No, I just, I think it looks great. And I, I love these types of action films. And I like Sam Mendes. Um, American Beauty is one of my favorite movies ever. And I think he also does a really good job with action films. I did think, that even though I didn't love Skyfall, I thought the directing was great. And uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a, look, I, I enjoy I enjoy James Bond. I know. And, uh, you know, it's it's fun. I still haven't seen Magic Mike XXL. <gasps> just oh my segue. God. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Have you, have you seen it, Brie? Nope. Okay. 
I saw it last week with my girlfriends and we had such a good time. First of all, let me just tell you guys, it was a Thursday afternoon, Thursday night at eight o'clock in um, um, the West Village and that theater was packed. This is three weeks after the movie comes out and the theater was packed, which I was not expecting. Everybody left. Everybody had a great time. The audience was really into it. It was almost all women. It's such a female empowering film. It's so body positive. It's just so much fun. The plot is basically the same as Pitch Perfect 2, but it works. <laughs> but it works. Like uh, Pitch Perfect 2 didn't really work that well. Like I didn't want to say it after I saw it because I was so excited about it and I liked the movie so much. I wanted to like the sequel more than I really did. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, this really hit, this really missed the mark on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. It was still fun and, and it still is, it's still, you know, Pitch Perfect, but it, it missed the mark on a lot of levels. Whereas Magic Mike XXL, I feel like totally hit it out of the park and oh. and um was a great sequel was really fun really watchable and jada pinkett uh smith who i'm not even a huge fan of usually she was great uh twitch boss steven twitch boss who's one of my favorite dancers from so you think you can dance fame and he was also in one of the step up yes. films and um he was on wade Ro- the wade robeson project and things like that he is in it and he's um the featured in, in, in the final dance sequence which is amazing he's really good the dancing's great um the acting you know Channing Tatum brings that you know you don't go for the acting though it, no. it's it's funny Amber Heard uh, uh who's uh Johnny oh, Depp's ridiculous she's great who's she's good in it you know she's I, I don't understand how Johnny Depp was able to marry her I uh, really don't I, I will be angry with weird. him forever because Amber Heard she's she so, supposed to be your she, wife she, right yeah ha, come on like have we not gone over this already Taylor Swift my wife Amber Heard my wife guys get it together <laughs> Right, like, like like Simone's gonna have a harem. Amber Heard seems like more of an achievable life goal. I just want to say more uh, achievable so, than Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I, think, I keep I making this about the patriarchal discussions of what celebrities I'm going to marry. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, it's not. It's, it's 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 good. No, but the movie was. But, but Magic Mike XXL was so much fun. So I have to say, women in the podcast or men who like have wives or or are good with these sorts of things. I mean, I think guys will enjoy it too. It'll be one of those movies if you watch with couples like i think they'll enjoy it but like women like i saw with my friends Allie and heidi and we had such a good time and it was like it was just the fact that three weeks after the movie comes out when a theater on a thursday night in new york city is full like that was awesome to me and um and it was fun it's just a fun summer movie just fun I I love that. I want it to be very successful because, I mean, come on, cater to women. We have money. We want these things. No, totally. Well, that's what I loved about it. You know, the, the stars are men and, and, and make no mistake, you know, men are on screen almost the entire time. Mm-hmm. But the entire message of the film is very female empowering, very body positive. It is about treating women as queens and like servicing them. And like they even say that, you know, like it's very much about like. It 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 in so many ways like I see it as like the people who made it were like making it like understanding that like the core audience are women who love it and like being like we wouldn't give you a movie that right, you love right so as long as we're talking about really girly movies can I tell you all about Trainwreck which yes. is so good it is it so is. good so I I have a confession I am not a huge romantic movie fan because what? like I think it's I I falls into it. You it lie. I think the message is so anti-feminist most of the time, and Usually, it just yeah. falls into this terrible message for anyone mm-hmm. that is looking to be an adult in a relationship, which I'm is like one person's going to come along yeah. and solve all your problems, and oh, it's just so bad. 
But this movie, like Amy Schumer has, first, she's so funny. She's so funny in there. But it's also a movie where she really has a very serious, dramatic arc as a person and a character. And it's not a movie that's like, hey, there's this tripe-like thing where she meets a dude and there's mm-hmm. some complications and they can't get together and then they both realize they both love each other and it's all perfect. It's not that movie at all. It's more like she's in a place where she's not an adult and she has some really big stuff to work on. And like, it's not a deus ex machina ending either. So Christina, you saw it. How did you feel about it? I liked it. I liked it. I mean, I thought LeBron was great in it, actually. Oh, my God. He was I so LeBron funny. Was like, I thought LeBron was like the best part of the movie. Yeah. And, and I kind of wanted him to get his own spinoff, frankly. Um, I also thought it was genius of, of him to take the role. Because I can imagine how he got pitched. He would be like, no, I'm not doing this. But it was so good for him for his image. If you're not like a LeBron fan, you'll walk out a LeBron fan. And if you are a LeBron <laughs> fan, you'll just be a bigger one. But if you're and if you're like indifferent to him, you'll be like, oh, this guy's cool. Um, I think he was really funny. He was good in it. You know, it is I, – I will – quibble with you a little bit i think it is absolutely a pat romantic comedy i think it is absolutely really really but but i think it's funny i think it's done in a good way i felt a little long in some places and and that i blame on judd avatow who has a tendency to get a little long there were parts of me that wished that maybe paul feig had directed it instead because I feel like he maybe would have had a better, little bit better sensibility about the timing and stuff. Because I look at Spy and I look at um, you know, Bridesmaids and I just feel like Paul Feig is, is better with women. But I still really liked it. I thought Amy Schumer, who I love. I mean, I've been a fan of her since Last Comic Standing when she came in like fourth place. And she was like, hadn't been doing stand-up for many years and did really well on that show. And I remember watching that show with my now husband and we were both like, this, this chick is... Funny. We were both shocked to see how well she's done. It's one of those things where, like, she was good, but she was kind of green. And then I remember it was uh, the Charlie Sheen roast where uh, she really just kind of stepped out and really like – I remember that uh, she she just blew everybody away and that was kind of her, her, her big star-making moment. That was a, a number of years ago. But she um, she's really good in it. I, I do think it's kind of a – it is a traditional romantic comedy, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think that mm-hmm. we – Honestly, like I, I love really great cinema. I love really great films, but I feel like especially in the summer, it's good to have like a good, enjoyable, not completely pat romantic comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't think I think it's traditional, but I also felt like there are some surprises. But yeah, you know, I, I liked it. I liked that the, the the you know lead character is flawed. I liked that. I don't. Know, I, I enjoyed the film. I liked it. All I want in this life of sin is films where women are total screw-ups, but still people. And not, you know, like, wacky fun screw-ups, but like real, you know, human beings who are messed up and who are messing up their lives and who then take control of that and turn it around. That's appealing to me. That's something that I would like to see more often for women leads in film. That That's what this was. I mean, you know, Amy Schumer has talked about how it was very similar to what her 20s were like. And yeah, my, my 20s were like, hey, I'm gonna be at the bar Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, then, then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we're gonna go to the club just to break it up. So like seeing like her entire arc, which was about you getting over her own faults and flaws and realizing she needs to get serious and like take a different career path i don't know it it just yeah yeah. it didn't seem as trite to me as so many romantic comedies do so you know maybe maybe i just am not watching the right ones 
could be the start of a very good trend. Yeah, I hope. Cool. So, uh, where can we find? This is what we do next, right? We do where we. F- well, what are we working on? That's what we do. Now. <laughs> like, wait, I feel like something's wrong here. <laughs> what are you working on, Brianna? I wish I could tell you. Um, I'm working on book chapters. I'm, I'm working on book chapters, and we're working on huge stuff that's going to make a lot of news very soon. So, um, look for me. Look for me in the press. Um, I am doing a video with. I'm doing a piece with MTV really soon, uh, and also CNBC uh, is going to have a piece about me next week, I think. So very cool, yeah. right, Christina? Um, so I'm uh, writing a rant about Windows 10 upgrades and, and um, that, that's <laughs> so like instead of doing the instructional post, you're now ranting. Yes, actually, because well, it's a better how story. Could you, how could you do a post like telling people to install freaking Windows 7 and then do a clean install of Windows 10? It would be impossible. <laughs> like, no, I mean that's going to be kind of in there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end I'm going to be like, and as a bonus, here's how you can do this. Yeah. Um. No, but like, uh, yeah, exactly. And it kind of turned into a more interesting story when I figured out that I would actually have to install Windows 7 before I could install Windows 10. I still can't believe Microsoft's making me do that. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, so in, we've got a few more, you know, Windows 10 things coming around um, and uh, working on an Apple Watch developer story. And oh. yeah, where I've been talking to uh, companies to make Apple Watch apps to find out like, what's the real deal? What's really, what's it really like oh, developing wow, the Apple Watch? Christina, that sounds really, that's top story as soon as yeah. it comes out on Rocket. I, I hope like, so. Like done, yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, done. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so that's it. That's really exciting. I I'm actually producing a video about Lego Dimensions right now and <gasps> this I yeah, I know. I I'm so okay. My feelings about this are that I'm very excited and I feel like Lego's doing something really cool, but I'm also really exhausted because it's coming at, you know, after we've been inundated with Toys to Life games. It's bad freaking timing for especially for families who already have Disney Infinity, who already have Skylanders. It is a hard freaking sell. However, what they have done is very Lego-esque and brilliant, and I'm excited in ways where I'm also sad. <laughs> yeah, I was at uh, Toys R Us the other day, because sometimes my husband and I will just go out there and look at all the toys, like, because we're adults. Uh, yes, and freedom. I, I noticed they had, like, a, a budget, um, like... You know, it's the same concept as Disney Infinity, where you'll put these, like, Lego, these um, DC superhero statues on, like, this cheap, low-rent, like, standalone console for these badly made games. And it's, like, the the Target version of that same idea. So it seems like that market is kind of tapped out at this point, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's so... It's so exhausting. And I think that it's really hard to tell, you know, what each you have. The, you have so many versions of everything. And then you, you are trying to get people to find value in these new versions you keep pumping out every year with all these new accessories. Uh, Lego is a very cool brand that I trust and they do make good games. Um, so it, it's kind of I'm like I'm mourning the fact that it is coming out in the middle of new Skylanders, in the middle of new Disney Infinity. It is yeah, yeah. It's sad. I'm looking forward to their Lego uh, Minecraft experience. They were showing a beta of that recently. Oh, the, it really looks what is it, very Lego interesting. Worlds? I forget what it is, but I mean, it's Lego Minecraft, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not technically associated with Minecraft, but mm-hmm. it is minecraft Well, they, they stole the Minecraft formula. Yes. <laughs> Let's just yes. be honest. So, they made Minecraft yeah. with Legos. We can yeah, be real yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah we, they, they totally did. <laughs> <laughs> 
And coming up this weekend, Saturday, the first, is the 10th annual Rattle and Hum Day, which is definitely an official holiday that isn't just celebrated by me every and my friends every year when we watch Rattle and Hum, the U2 concert documentary, on Saturday, August 1st. Again, the 10th anniversary. <laughs> All right, Simone. So, yeah, just you know, put that on your calendars, guys. It's been an official holiday for a really long time. Uh, cool. Where can we find you online, Brianna? Space Cat Gal. Wow. And Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters. Cool. You can find me on the bird machine at Doom Quasar, where you will see many pictures of my car. Uh, if you like this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Um, and have a great weekend. Terminated. 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 <laughs>